Hey, welcome to the Happy Ramp Podcast. I'm Ted Cluck, joined, as always, by my good friends and partners in radio, uh, Ronald J. Martin and Barnabas Piper. Boys, uh, I'm happy to be back together. And uh, according to Ronnie's Facebook feed, which I, I heard about via Pipe, um, Big R, you had another kind of hipster-themed event in a barn, which, as we've discussed, hipsters love nothing if not doing things in a barn. And um, you communicated that there were, in fact... There, there was, in fact, only one other hipster at your church. Am I, am I right on this? Yeah, I mean, you know, depending on how we want to continue to define hipsterism, yeah, I would say, you know, I would say we're only a couple strong in the hipster category at Substance. But very and by strong. the way, man, that wasn't just a barn party, Big T. That was okay. a barn raising. Of course be it was, because there's nothing more vintage <laughs> than a barn raising. Absolutely. Was it was it a was it a barn like, that was was it a barn that was going to be used for actual animals, or is it like just a a, a an event space barn that you raised. Yeah, it's like the original. I, I don't know. I'm going to get this all wrong, but it's it's like one of the original like crazy epic barns from Ashland, and now it now they use it just for 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 people to rent out for spaces. So maybe doesn't you know, it awesome like a like a tobacco ad or something on the side of it. Dude, it actually doesn't, man. I mean, and they they just they just kind of opened up this thing. So in the back, mm-hmm. there's still like tractors and stuff. So it's oh, epic. that's outstanding. That's yeah. really hipster. Now pipe. Uh, being that I work in higher education, like I, I feel like I'm I'm very well acquainted with like hipster wedding trends. And I feel like every kid that's gotten married since we've been down here, it's gotten married in a barn. Are you seeing that in Nashville as well? Oh, yeah. I mean, it's it's definitely they're, they're all over the place because there's especially on the outskirts. There's all these these old farms that are yeah. now being sold uh, to be turned into subdivisions because those are awesome and have tons of character. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, but. The nicer barns get, yeah, they get refurbished and used for uh, whatever sort of event space people are looking for. In fact, right across the street from where I uh, where I live is a a working dairy farm, which uh, which half of it was sold to the county and is now it's so it's this old stone dairy barn that is now just an event space, and then behind that is a privately owned dairy farm, and then the other side is like a, a subdivision, and so it's this weird conglomeration. But yeah, it's all over the place. But yeah, it's, the thing is where we live, it's not all hipsters. Like people do hoedowns and stuff. So it's like this oh, – wow. there are hipsters who do their thing, but then there's like people who genuinely think that sitting on the back of a pickup truck and drinking PBR is a great way to spend a Friday night. That's and Rocks 29 is going to do the do next three conferences. Same thing, but they do it ironically. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean it's very hard to tell the difference until they get in a fight uh, because, yeah. because then you can tell who the real rednecks are. Exactly, man. Always bet on the redneck in a fight. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Boys, I don't know how we got. Uh, I don't know how we got to that, but uh, let, let's talk uh, a little sports. Um, we had a huge, a huge sporting event happen last night, Ronnie, and that was the World Series. Um, Is that now, baseball? Be, yeah, being that you are a diehard Cleveland Indians baseball fan, you and I have actually been in the stadium where this uh, this momentous occasion took place last night. Do you That's remember true. our our little road trip to uh, the Jake to Jacobs Field in Cleveland? Yeah, I do. I remember that game, and I remember, like most baseball games, it went from nine innings to 93 innings, I think, in in very short amount of time, which means it was about 3 a.m., and we were still standing there in the freezing cold waiting for the game to end. Is that right? We were there for about 16 hours, baby. (laughs) We we conversated that whole time, and it occurred to me, Pipe, at some point last night during the game, baseball is just – manifestly for conversation because all I did throughout the whole game and it was a great game, but all I did was text like 
five different people pithy observations about the game. Well, and by great game, it means you don't remember how the game went at all because you never really watched it. You were just talking to me and texting. Exactly, so. man. No, I do remember this, Pipe. And I, I want to know if you noticed this as a student of, of sports broadcasting. It seemed to me that Fox was obsessed with these cutaway shots between every pitch of like really affluent people in the good seats, like just standing there looking stressed. You know what I mean? Like bending the bills <laughs> of their caps or like pacing around. Did you notice oh, this? Oh, yeah, there's that. And then, but then they also, of course, they have like a spotter who finds every celebrity Cubs fan. So there's John <laughs> Cusack and there's Bill Murray. Although I will say the Bill Murray reaction when the Cubs got the last out of the game was that was amazing. That was sort of a pure sports moment. It was awesome. But that yeah, was so they're, really they're cutting. And, and of course, every the game had lots of ebbs and flows. So the Cubs took the lead and then the Indians tied it up. And, and so they're cutting back and forth from Cubs fans to Indian fans and who's stressed out now is sort of the the game and then they'd cut to bars in Chicago where people would be throwing their hats up in the air or throwing them on the ground depending on the uh, the occasion it was yeah it was dude, it, it was like half crowd shots dude yeah, wait Bill Murray was like, at was at like was at the was in Cleveland like watching the game yes they finally found a way to get Bill Murray to Cleveland <laughs> you know what man it occurred to me that watching all of these like millionaires be stressed was really soothing for me you know what i'm saying <laughs> that could be a spin-off show that needs to be its own program stressed millionaires, stressed out millionaires. <laughs> i really enjoy they're it. just like me i mean literally like there's so there's so little in their lives to be stressed about because they don't have financial concerns that they just they exactly. just push it all into baseball or basketball Exactly. I'm going to be stressed about this team I, now. I have for- to say, I'm so glad that I have no rooting interest for either of those teams because I think I would have passed away last night. Because that, yeah, uh, that was truly all the game, it was, it would have been a very stressful experience, I have to imagine. Yeah, wow. indeed. It was an amazing game. And boys, you know, we, we are at a very delicate time for pastors, for sports fans, because uh, my sense of this pipe is that pastors are going to now – um, feel free reign to use the Cubs World Series championship in all manner of uh, Jesus juking kind of ways uh, on Sunday morning in the pulpit. Do you? Uh, what, what's your feeling on this? Oh, there's there's no doubt, and uh, Ronnie foremost among them. Although he probably has to go figure out uh, who the Cubs are first. But mm. the the 108 year drought between championships, which has been attributed to a curse brought about by a goat in some variety. Um, Ronnie, you can look that up and, and dig into the history. There's, okay, there's, I just found out Cubs are baby bears. Yes. So let me move on. There Cubs, you go. Cubs, baby bears, good. That's a good start. Now look up Chicago Cubs. Um, and uh, th- there are just myriad options for pastors here. You know, you've got like the curse is broken. You've mm-hmm. got uh, you've got the the long suffering fans. You've got waiting with hope and expectation. You've got. I mean, it can go so many directions, and I, yeah, pastors are just going to abuse this, especially guys, I, in the Great Lakes region. Can I ask you guys? I mean, just I mean, we're all friends here, yeah. so as as friend to friend, I mean, let's just forget we're even having a podcast right now, fellas. Okay. As friend to friend, as two boys that I need a little help in for my sermon on Sunday, mm-hmm. how would you suggest that I I open up as a town that is now reeling? from the devastating loss. There's a lot like, of hurt in your town, Big R. There's, there's a lot of pain, pain right now. That, there's, that's right. I would uh, uh, ask your worship leader to learn the lyrics to the song Go Cubs Go and <laughs> uh, and just just start with that. Welcome the people in with the, the song Go Cubs Go. I mean, the problem is I still need to have a church uh, to go to uh, the next right. week. So, I, so no, in all seriousness, 
yeah. Piper. Okay. Why don't you give me something legitimate to, to open up with right now? I Let, actually want to I want to reveal something about Big R that our listeners might not be aware of. One of uh, one of my earliest memories of Big R, we spent some some decadent days and nights on the road as a part of another uh, a media experiment called the Reformatory. And as a result of that, I got to know Big R very well. And one of the things that Big R and I enjoyed the most was our shared love. Now, Ronnie doesn't like sports, but he likes sports films. Right. And yes. we realized that we that we loved a lot of the same sports films, a lot of the same kind of people will call them cheesy, but evocative, uh, emotionally compelling sports films. Now, Big R, my advice to you for this Sunday would be to lean heavily on your library of baseball films Okay. Uh, find just the right kind of tie in an illustration. So you might think about a little field of dreams. Uh, you might go in a little uh, the rookie direction with this. Um, but I, I think this is full of possibilities for you. I mean, I'm just literally I'm, I'm closing my commentary right now, man. I'm going I'm grabbing my, uh, yeah. my field of dreams. Yeah, DVD put, down that my... commentary, put down put down Grudy systematic theology. Um, put down careful. Four thousand page book on politics. <laughs> the, and, careful. Uh, the bread farm and, of politics. That's right. That's right. I think uh, I, I, I am. I'm putting those down, and I'm putting down my leadership book from Andy Stanley, yes. and I'm, I'm going to grab. I'm going to grab Field of Dreams, the one that you ordered after we promoted on this podcast, of course. Um, Correct. <laughs> yes. Uh, I, one thing not to do is to try to convince people that life is bigger than sports, because mm. if there is a fan base that is crushed by a loss, doing that. Um, it's not going to go over well. It's like yeah, saying it's like saying life is bigger than your recently dead pet, uh, mm. you know. So that that doesn't go over well either. So uh, I would I would just let people have their grieving and uh, and then the other thing you could do is remind them that uh, Cleveland still has LeBron James and it's not baseball, but they did just win a championship and uh, he looks like the best player in the NBA still. So actually, you know turn, what? That's turn their attention that. that way. Actually, Pipe, you know what I was going to say? I was going to actually look out into the congregation this week and go, you know what, guys? Um, we won with the Cavs, and then you all got greedy, didn't you? Mm. <laughs> you think is. that one will go over good? Will that go over good, Big T? How Baby, do you think I'll do with that? Do you remember uh, Do you remember a baseball movie from the 80s called Major League? Do you ever Absolutely. see Absolutely. You could throw a little major league ref, I think, man. These these are Cleveland. These are good blue collar Cleveland area type folks, man, who are really going to resonate with um, that city's proudest baseball moment, which took place in the film Major League. So <laughs> you may want to hearken back to that, man, and just give them something uh, to grasp onto, something to believe in uh, as they reflect. Something to believe land in. Something to believe. Very in. nice. Maybe Very maybe do a little nice. hat. Maybe do a little hashtag winning. Bring that back a little, oh, a little Charlie. You back. know, to co- combine all the elements into one glorious sermon introduction. That's literally gonna knock it out of the park. If all oh, right, if you're you wanted, me right there. Yeah, that was that was excellent. Well played. I think uh, if you wanted to be more subtle, you could simply preach in the LeBron jersey like you did after they won the championship and make no mention of the game whatsoever. Um, so it's just sort of a. It's just a. It's like an ambiance of it's excellence hopeful. and hope, and uh, and you just you put the you put the pain behind you, and you just say, "Look, number twenty three still resides here," but you don't even have to say anything. Okay, I, I listen, like man, that I, Piper, and and I'm gonna I'm gonna have uh, Mark. By the way, bleep this next part out. Um, where uh, boys? Uh, where do I find a LeBron jersey? Dude, you can you can check out a little Dick Sporting Goods. You could maybe even like get lucky at a TJ Maxx. 
I don't don't I need to buy like a quadruple extra large? Isn't that how we're wearing those things these days? I mean, oh, no, right, no, I can't. no, no. It, it used to be that way, but now like even NBA players are wearing them, you know, two sizes too small. Granted, they have the physique, physique to do it. Um, not, you can get like no, a, like a youth large, man. You'll yeah. be you'll be finding a youth. No, large. Will youth large work, you. BT? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Youth large will work. <laughs> no commentary on me. Well, I'll be darned, Pipe. I mean, I was about to get offended right there, and you just turned it all around for me. Well, good. I mean, that's really – I was hoping to uh, to <laughs> put, put a little balm on that. Baby, speaking of offense, man, and speaking of something that has caused great offense and great controversy and a good deal of conversation in our circles is the incident – uh, surrounding one gin hat maker. Oh, it's about to get dark right now, isn't it? Now, listen, listen to me, okay? Can I warn you guys before we get into this? Um, I'm actually wired with an electric charge from direct from Lifeway's executive offices. If I say the wrong thing, you're you're just gonna hear a zapping sound and then <laughs> silence. So, what part I'm, of your body is that charge hooked up to? <laughs> I'll plead the fifth, and yeah. uh, so I'm gonna I'm gonna. Be real ginger in my answers on this one uh, so that I don't die. Well, Let's I just tell you all that I know about Jen Hatmaker is yeah. her name, Jen Hatmaker. Um, <laughs> I don't care about this person. I know nothing about this person. I just know that it's been controversial. And it's something that the the following that we have out there in uh, in the, the Twitter sphere has been clamoring for us to talk about this. So, um, Pipe, why don't you give us just a – I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let you keep it general <laughs> – um, if you could give us just a recap, a point by point of what's going on in this controversy, and then maybe Big R and I can can unpack it a little bit. Yeah. So the controversy hit uh, hit the the news wires. Uh, maybe can you give us a little breaking news music, Ted? Always funny, that, Big T. Yes, That'll never set, not be it funny. Sets the, it sets the mood so well. So uh, this in the past week, um, Jen Hatmaker, who is a prominent author and speaker. Tar- primarily uh, writing women's books, things like that, um, was interviewed by Jonathan Merritt, who is, uh, he's a religion columnist and well-known for kind of stirring things up. He really likes to to poke the bear when he does Well, I just really regret the day that I didn't take that Jonathan Merritt interview, you know? Yeah, I mean, you and he would get along so well. Um, That would have been about as fun as having something electronic lashed to certain body parts yeah, to you to know? the yes to the <laughs> regions unknown and uh yeah. but in the in the interview which i did not read in its entirety because that would have been a lot of work and i wasn't interested um she she came out not just in favor of same-sex marriage but basically said same-sex marriage can be holy so gave it a gave it a not just sort of a passive like ah it's okay i don't mind but like a blessing right and then, uh, and then the internet blew up, and mm-hmm. you know the company that I work for owns uh, almost 200 bookstores around the country, and uh, they decided to pull her books uh, mm-hmm. out of those, and not you know all of her books. And I don't think this issue is addressed in any of them. Otherwise, it probably would they probably would have been pulled previously. Um, so that that then sort of became an elevating factor. And then you've got the very conservative guy, you know, mostly men on one side um, who are who are sort of just angrily lashing out. And then you've got the more um, progressive types, especially a lot of women, but not necessarily just women, defending her on the other side. And then you've kind of got everybody else who's like, uh, I don't really know how to deal with this. And that I would put myself in this camp because you look at it and you go, I would disagree with the statement that she made, but I feel like the vitriol towards her uh, – 
is is probably not the best way to handle it. So that's where things stand now. And so far, I haven't gotten zapped, so I think I'm doing okay. Mm. Good, baby. Good, yeah, good, good to hear. Yeah, I'm uh, um, here. We still have a radio show. Yes. Big R, do you feel like this? You know, whenever somebody goes on TV and whenever somebody gets a reality show, yeah. I just sort of kind of mentally write that person off. Um, yeah. Do you feel this way? Like, I mean, once you kind of went TV, there, there's kind of a sense of, I mean, I never cared about Jen Hatmaker one way or the other, but there is kind of a sense of, you know, she's just trying to cater to the largest possible audience at this point. Um, yeah, I mean, how do you feel about that? Yeah, I think that's a good point. I, I wasn't even really aware, you know, I wasn't aware much of Hatmaker, you know, up to this point, and I've never. Dude, describe like, Hatmaker. Pipe, I'm going to Google image Hatmaker. I have no idea what this person even looks like. Um, she. She kind of looks like what she needs to for her audience. And so, oh, yeah. you know, she's speaking to a large sort of megachurch women's audience. She, you know, she looks like that where she's got, you know, she's got the boots and the the leggings or the skinny jeans and like, you know. Dude, yeah, just, affluent, you know, yeah, uh, indiscriminately it's, it's, aged Christian woman with, with, with some cashiche. Su- yeah, that's suburban mom between, yeah, mm-hmm. with, with kids between the ages of, you know, toddlerhood and high school. Um, yep. Yep. You, you know the type. Uh, yep. but, but, uh, also fits in very well and is very well received on the very progressive side of Christianity. Um, but has done some stuff that's much more, uh, I would say, <laughs> I don't know the right word without being, without sounding like I'm a judgmental a-hole, uh, just yep. orthodox, I guess it'd be mm. better, you know, or conservative <laughs> in its, in its, you know, we were going to call this the judgmental a-hole podcast, but, uh, you know, that's cooler heads prevail. There are, there are those who, uh, who would agree with that. Um, I got attacked by a couple of them on Twitter recently. It was great fun. Um, about us or about something else? Uh, no, it was actually about this very issue, which I, okay. I didn't tweet anything about, but they took a tweet that I, I tweeted about something else and got okay. very upset because they they interpreted it as I tweeted something about how it's not legalistic to to insist on reading your Bible and praying in the same way that it's not legalistic to for a doctor to insist that you eat healthy and exercise. And it was just it was that was the whole tweet. No context yeah. outside of that. I wasn't thinking about anything other than that. Just sort of my own thoughts about my own life and fighting mm-hmm. legalism. And mm-hmm. uh, somebody was very annoyed and took that as a subtweet of this whole thing as if I was calling out anybody on the more progressive side for uh, for not reading their Bible and praying, and they lit me up like a Christmas tree. We ended up having a very productive conversation offline, which is generally the best way to handle controversy. But uh, online, this person was very upset with me. So Man, I just can't wait to get on Twitter. It just sounds like a <laughs> – Hashtag get know? Ted on Twitter. And then, uh, and then maybe we can set you up with that Jonathan Merritt interview. Oh, that you know what? I can't wait. I can't wait. Big R, uh, I cut you off, baby. Any other uh, insights on this thing? Dude, I don't know, man. I mean, it just feels like it's, it, you know, it's it's another, uh, you know, it's another, it's another, it's another slash and dash and a long line of these types of incidences that are just going to keep. I feel like we're just seeing a trend. They're just going to keep popping up because it's just going to be harder. Mm-hmm. To stick to a biblical truth because there's a cost for that, and it's yeah. it becomes more countercultural. It becomes weirder. It becomes costlier, and it becomes um, lack of you know there's there's lack of category for it as right. as the world continues to go down those those paths. So well, it's like there's going to be a cost for it, and that's all there is to it. And um, some people aren't willing to uh, 
to want to, you know, take themselves, you know, to the place that this road leads for that. And, you know, here's what's funny, man. I mean, Hatmaker, I mean, it's not like, I mean, the whole idea is, you know, I mean, you know, the stuff that's, that's being, you know, you know, jostled back and forth is, you know, is this going to gain her an audience? Is this going to lose her the, you know, the, the, what the more, the minuscule conservative audience maybe that she had, you know, I don't know. That's the question, right? But baby, let me, let me throw this by you as just a, kind of a conceptual question in, in Christian media. Like, would you, what, what would happen if, if any of us got big enough to have our own reality show, you know what I'm saying? I mean, yeah. that just seems like a ridiculous level of, of fame. And, and my theory all along has been, you know, whenever anybody asks me about publishing or about fame or whatever, I always tell them nobody gets famous by accident. Like everybody who's there wants to be there and they work through some very specific steps to get there. Um, I wonder, I, I guess where I'm going with that is I wonder if she has any regret. You know what I'm saying? I wonder yeah, if and I, she would no, go and back and undo any of that. I think, well, I think that's a great question because I think at the end of the day, I think when you get to a particular level, I don't ever feel like things just fly out of people's mouths without any sort of discussion about what it was going to be beforehand. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so it's like even when we go back and we were talking about Kanye and all these tweets, it's like, you know how many managers and publicists this guy has? It's like I feel like everything is so um, – Everything is so planned these days, and it, it just feels weird to me that if she did this interview with Merritt, if she didn't know that she was going to say what she was going to say, I would find that to be really incredible. You know? Yeah. Seriously. I mean, and, I don't and, know if that's true or not. And but. if there's not an awareness that it's it's going to stir things up. because Well, it's impossible she didn't know that it was right. going to stir things like up. That's my point. Th- yeah. there, are, there are people on, on the far progressive side of Christianity – who if they made those comments, it wouldn't – nobody's going to be surprised. The, the reason it was surprising for her is because she has had a foot in the, in the you know, sort of conservative evangelical world or like middle-of-the-road evangelical world and then this, this more progressive side. And so this was a shock because like Lifeway sells her books and, and her Bible studies and things like that. And so she had to have known – that this was yeah. going to that this was there was going to be a line drawn there. I mean, what which, was it? Uh, was it InterVarsity recently who uh, who it became very public when they said when they said they were each of their employees basically needed to affirm uh, a biblical definition of marriage as between one man and one woman, and if and if you didn't, it was sort of a like you would need to resign if you couldn't affirm that, and that like. <laughs> People were just raking them over the coals, and then on the other side, you have people who are very proud of them for that. And honestly, they're not that unique. I mean, there's right. organizations and churches all over the place who do that. But like, it is it is the dividing line. And if you're in that conservative, or even just general middle of the road evangelical uh, world, this this is going to be a sticking point. And that's like, she had to have known that. She had to have known that when she made that comment. A significant portion of her audience was either going to be forced to say I agree with her or I, I disagree with her. And for most people, that's also because this is the way Christians work. If they disagree with her on that, they will distance themselves from her in a lot of other things because, you know, I don't because it's, it's difficult to trust someone's interpretation of Scripture if they can if they can look at the Bible in that area and say that. And then, like, how do you trust them in other areas? I guess. Yeah, and I think that's a good point, Pipe. And I think what it what, what it reminded me of when you just said that, man. And I would like to hear both you guys, you know, feed in on this. Is yeah. should there, 
you're right when you say that she kind of rode this sort of this middle of the road. She had this kind of, you know, M.O.R. kind of place, you know, in, in evangelicalism. Is it should we have should we be able to have any middle of the road kind of paths, you know, that are part of, you know, sort of the what the more commercial side of our faith, if you want to phrase it like that? Like, should there be a middle of the road even? I, is I, it, think, I mean, is, I think there needs to be a. I don't think middle of the road is the way to put it because that that just sounds milk toast. You know, it sounds right. Positive. Maybe that's the wrong phrase. Yeah, it, it, I think it. You have to ha- be able to have a conviction. Like I don't address the issue of gay marriage publicly because it's always a lightning rod issue. I mean, I'm right. not afraid to. I just don't go out of my way to. But I I would like to be able to engage with people on the progressive side or just completely outside the Christian faith altogether and and engage with them in a humorous way or a gracious way or a, you know whatever while also saying but this is what I believe and honestly it's not that hard the problem that most Christians have is that they take their convictions and they're jerks about it and they mm-hmm. they beat people over the head with it or they go like hide up they you know they just sort of like they're like Gollum with this precious and they're just sort of these creepy little weirdos <laughs> about their convictions i'm like why can't you have a conviction and be nice right i mean and and it's funny coming from me because i'm not known as the nicest person but i also try very hard not to be a judgmental person too and i don't think those two things are in conflict with one another my convictions that how the bible defines marriage should have no bearing on my ability to hang out with or be gracious to somebody who has a who who is gay or has a completely different conviction than I do. Yeah. Piper, Ron and I think you're a nice guy, man. For the record. <laughs> we do, Piper. Just for the record. Guy. Yeah. yeah. Well, Big T, weren't we just talking about that the other we day? Were. About we how, were just talking yeah. about that. I mean, what did, what did you say? You said, you know, Ronnie, that Barnabas, man, he's he's one of the darn nicest guys I've ever met. I darn think. nicest. That's oh, the direct quote. Yeah. He's a stand up guy. I think you said that while we were standing in the barn enjoying some, um, you know, some standing in the barn, and, rubbing and, each other's backs, having and then, some. And then you sang for he's a jolly good fellow. And, uh, right. And but we fantastic. did it ironically. Yeah. We did it ironically in the barn with some pumpkin flavored goodies oh, surrounding us. Ugh. Pumpkin bourbon quinoa flavored goodies. <laughs> right. Now, with a side of buttermilk popsicles. Of Boys, course. One well, last pumpkin. Question. Yeah. And this, this is a quick one on, on Hatmaker. Have either of you ever seen her show? No. I have not. I, I was speaking for myself. I don't know if Ronnie has. No, no. I've, I didn't even know she had a reality show. Well, I think until... it was like HGTV or something. Yeah. Was it that legit? I mean, seriously? Maybe it was that legit. I never saw it. And I was. And what was it like? What was the premise of it? Because I, for some reason, every time someone tells me that Hatmaker has a reality show, I think of Fixer Upper. <laughs> you know what I'm, I mean? I'm going to look it up, man. And I'm going to read the prim out loud. Um, yeah. It's so nice to hear you click, Big T. Well, it's so nice that our, that our radio show is that real and so in the moment that we can hear you clicking See, on, on your my, computer to call I up. I think – well, but I'm just going to go ahead and guess what the show was before Ted can prove me right or wrong. Yeah, let's um, do that. Let's do a little of that. One of the things that has made Jen Hatmaker so popular is that she's just – she's sort of a shoot from the hip, open book, wears her emotions on her sleeves, you know, so – People, kind of funny, right? Is she a little yeah, humorous? She's, too? Yeah, she's funny. Yeah. I mean, she's genuinely got a great sense of humor, and so she comes. She comes across as very accessible, very likable, very normal. She's not afraid to talk about like how crappy it can be to raise kids and things like that, but not in sort of your whiny, melodramatic Facebook post way. Um, yeah. So, and then I, I think 
I, they have they have several. She and her husband, I think, have several kids, including some adopted kids. I think I'm not positive about that. So I think it's a show basically just about sort of like real life, with the draw being, um, with the draw being her personality and and they're just sort of their way of managing this chaotic life, which is something that I mean, it's it's like a mommy blog on TV. Mm, that I, sounds I, miserable. I would never it's watch like John and Kate plus eight minus like four. Is yeah, that what you're minus saying? Minus. Yeah, minus a couple and uh, maybe, oddly enough, maybe uh, less psychotic parents. Because I think those two at least ended up psychotic. I don't know if they were on the show. In my studio, I have the ability to to pull up some descriptions about uh, about some of these shows. And, And I see here that she, Big R, you'll be interested in this as a hipster. She was attached to a tiny house show. What? Uh, and the, the title of the show was Tiny House. And this is, this is the description, man. It's a one-sentence description. Jen and Brandon are spending time away from their kids in a tiny house. <laughs> that's the show. That's, that's compelling, Big T. I'm going to click on that right now. Baby, listen, man. I tell you what, though. All kidding aside, I went like – I went like hard into the into the Netflix tiny house documentaries at one point. Man. I did too, man. I got totally into it. I mean, I kind of yeah. want a tiny house. I'm not going to lie. Baby, Do you I know think you- that maybe if I watch Hatmaker's tiny house, I'll be convinced after that to get you a might. tiny house? You might just by watching her and her, her husband spend some time away from the kids and their time. Guys, will her views on tiny house either draw me to or away from getting a tiny house? I think that's the question right now. And will, Baby, they, and we'll will they affect your view on biblical marriage? Because isn't that really the crux of the issue? When we get into tiny houses, that's absolutely the crux of the issue. <laughs> Baby, she's gonna be she's gonna be charming and authentic, and she's gonna shoot from the hip in her tiny house, and that's what's gonna compel you about it. But uh, that seems dude, dangerous it, shooting from hips in tiny houses. Just real quick, Big R or Pipe, did you guys see like the original Netflix tiny house documentary? Yeah, man, I saw it. It was like it was like an hour and a half, and the premise was it was this dude, kind of a hipster dude, and his girlfriend, and they were building this tiny house out in I don't know Wyoming or whatever. And one of the unintended like narrative arcs of the uh, of the show was his girlfriend growing more and more distant. And then by the end, she had broken up with him completely and like moved to New York to be a poet. Do you remember this? Oh, the irony of growing distant in a tiny house. Dude, it was so great. It was so sad, but it was so great. You know what I mean? And And this poor guy is stuck with this crappy tiny house. Well, I'm telling you, man, I got to see the Hatmaker Tiny House app now, Big T. I mean, I don't think there's any question about that. Do we have the technology to watch one of those apps together on the air and comment? Dude, I was just literally thinking about that. I mean, I, I yeah, Maybe I was you literally and I are just entertainment visionaries, you we know? Would, we would probably get sued because there's probably I mean, if we were airing the actual show, I, hmm. I hate to be the the voice of you know small print, but no, you know what? Pipe, you're saying doing it. You're saying doing it during the podcast, man. I'm saying doing it on the air during the podcast. Oh man, that's so sort epic. of a mis- that is visionary science theater, uh, except with tiny house. I tell you, man, Zach and I have navigated this on the Gut Check podcast. In that we used to have a bit where we would we would both be in our separate studios watching crappy like 1980s CCM videos at the same time and commenting on them. And we just had an auditory cue in which the listener could pull up the same video and watch it at the same time with us. So nobody was ever seeing the video on the go. podcast. That's, that's sort of a, that, that would totally work because you're sending people to a place that already has the right to show it. And you that's avoid, right. It's you kind of all issues. You know, it was it was just kind of a workaround. So maybe we'll uh, we'll workshop something like that for the next app and watch. Guys, a, here's a question for you. I like that. Here's a question for you, and I don't know if it can be answered, but I want to ask it anyway, man. What, um, and probably this is probably more towards you, Piper. What, um, dude, has has our friend Rachel the Held Evans? Has she 
she's had to have spoken in on the Hatmaker gig, right? Oh, she's, I mean, what's, she's got she's got Hatmaker's back uh, with a yeah. fe- with a fierceness on. This. She's probably like moved in with Hatmaker at this point. She's probably so like with her, right? Yeah, this she uh, she she absolutely has has uh, Hatmaker's back on this, and um, they probably already co-authored a book on the whole scandal together. And I mean, they, yeah. they were already. I think I don't know if they know each other well, but they you know they are friendly online. And uh, so again, that that sort of speaks to Hatmaker's ability to to connect with one side yeah. and the other. Although um, I to to take this a slightly different direction, one of the things that I saw come up as an issue online, and this one I think is probably speaks more to our audience, was apparently one of the responses that people have had to this is for the conservative, especially reform types, to sort of throw the baby out with the bathwater on like female teachers in general. So uh-huh. any, you know, women teaching the Bible, prominent women teachers, and just sort of saying it, that, that seems to be the direction that some guys are taking it. And that to me is both misogynistic and baffling. Like I just, yeah. I, I don't understand the tendency unless they're just, they're so, I don't know. complimentary is not even the right word because that's not complimentary. It's, it's something else. They're, they're so just sort of male dominant that they, they're just suspicious of any woman speaking on anything remotely biblical. Yeah. That's like, that's hyper reform, patriarchal, you know, that's the word I was looking for. Patriarchal. Yeah. That's just, that's like hyper, that's like hyper Calvinism taken to, you know, the extreme on that end of things, which is just absurd. You know what like I mean? Like so complimentary that you won't watch a show with like a strong female character. Is that, is that how it is? In I some mean, way? that's as far, yeah. If you took it to that, <laughs> exactly. I mean, yeah. The, the lead in this, the lead in this movie is a female. Yeah. I can't watch it. I can't watch Cosby because Claire is a lawyer. You know, <laughs> I mean, it's too much. Yeah, the, these would be the types who like they could they could watch Daredevil, but not Jessica Jones because okay. uh, because female superheroes that's that's questionable. Yeah, yeah well, so that's why I'm not watching Where Woman. Diane is a waitress, but you couldn't watch like, um, you know, Night Court where there's a woman almost boy. any other show on television. <laughs> right, right. Now one one last question, and then uh, yeah, and then we gotta we gotta do some business of our own here, boys. Uh, if if RTHE had a had a reality show, would you watch it? I, I might tune in once just to see what the deal was. I'd watch him. I'd watch the heck con- out of that. Controversy is uh, is intriguing. It is, isn't it? It is. Big R, would you watch it? Uh, yeah, I mean, no question. Okay. All right. No, boys, question. no question. Guys, but I do want to say this, man. Is there any way, speaking of what Piper just referred to a little while ago, man, about just like, hey – you know, man, we can be kind, we can be nice, and I, and I think we can on occasion. I mean, I, I know I can, but I mean, what <laughs> are the chances? Yourself, not to speak are, for the whole program, but no, not to speak for the whole program. But I mean, what are the chances to, to that we can throw an olive branch out to none other than Rachel the Held Evans and bring her as a guest onto our program, boys? What yeah, about that? We had somebody suggest that to us and on social media, and uh, I don't think there was ever any official response to it. Mm. What, uh, I have to be honest in saying that I have no interest in that, but if you guys wanted to do it, I'd do it. I'd yeah, I'm not saying I have any interest in it. I was just throwing it out there to see if you had any interest in it. So half of us don't. What do you think, Piper? Uh, I don't think any good would come of it because I think, like, I think if if I was say I was flying out of Nashville and she and I ended up at the same gate flying out to somewhere, I think yeah. we could have a very civil conversation and probably be you know get along great in that context but i think this would uh would not be the context where much 
productive anything would happen because it's she would probably be on the defensive because three dudes who are known to be reformed and who use her name as a sign off uh <laughs> would be <laughs> would be hosting her on a podcast and I don't know. That might have something to do with it. And my wife is over there like eating a cookie, shaking her head violently back and forth, <laughs> say, making the no signal. Yeah. So, I, I mean, I, I think we're I think we're getting kind of a negative response on this. Right. Yeah. yeah I mean, let's let, let's call list, it a heart. No on that. man. The listeners might find it interesting just because of the sheer amount of awkward that could happen. But I I feel like that would be a net negative for all parties involved. You know what we're about self-contained yeah. unit on this program? Man. We are we're self-contained. Show. We, I, have, yeah, I don't want to know more people, man. I have no interest in that. I have turned that, yeah. I have turned down several requests to have guests on this show, uh, mm-hmm. mostly from like publishers who are like, "Hey, this author would be a great guest." I'm like, "You don't even listen because we've never had a guest." Yeah, that's Steven, not. Right. I mean, guys, Steven all we have count. to. Yeah, Too I was going to say all we have to do is look back at when we had Trogues on and what a disaster that episode was. Pipe, you, you know? tell these publishers we're interested in their money, not their That's actual right. people. If you would idea. like to pay us to promote the author, we will do the promotion. As, we'll just in, do it without the author, man. Yeah, we'll we'll cut out the middleman. You know? Yeah, they could, yeah we'll a, be able to say better things about their go. products that, without them on the program. What I will do is next time I'll be like, send me the interview questions. I will interview one of my other hosts as if they are the author. And uh, and we'll be good to go. It's it'll, Dude, it'll that's work actually out. a fantastic idea. That's a great bit, Pipe. I'll, I'll get yes. it. All right. Well, so we'll basically, we'll we'll interview Rachel the Held Heavens next week. It's just one of you will be answering and asking the questions. Ronnie, do you want to be Rachel the Held Heavens, or do I? Get uh, I would. I mean, is that even a question? Of course. Of course, yeah. man. That's a, that's a media dream. That's bucket list right there. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Pipe. Speaking of business, you have some business to conduct. Yes, we have do. with uh, with a company uh, about whom I have some mixed feelings, but uh, but we can get into that later, man. Would, so, your, uh, would your mixed feelings be less mixed if they if I told you that they confirmed today that we will be getting uh, Happy Rant swag in the mail sometime and relatively soon? That that would fix the problem entirely. Right. Well, yeah. they they did indeed confirm that, and that's the the people I'm referring to is Missional Wear, our regular and longtime sponsor, um, and so. You have, if you're a regular listener, you've heard us talk about their all of the different things that they do in terms of cool coffee mugs and pint glasses and sweatshirts and uh, framed art and prints and all these things. But they had a couple new designs they wanted to highlight. One is a 500 Years of Reformation design. They have that on both coffee mugs and shirts. And then a new one, which is a really cool design, and it says... Um, my conscience is held captive to the word of God, uh, which is a Martin Luther quote. But the design is is uh, is exceptionally cool. You can get you can find these by going to missionalware.com. Uh, also, if you follow them on Twitter or Instagram, it's just at missionalware, both places. You can see updates on new products, things that they're releasing, <coughs> new designs, all that stuff. And uh, so you can you can see the quality of their work. So if going to a website is way too much work for you, you can just follow them there. And of course, if you use the code RANT when you order, they will either send you a sticker or give you a discount or whatever promotion they have going. They kind of rotate through these things, but the, the sticker would be our Happy Rant logo, which we haven't actually seen these stickers, but that's one of the things we're going to be getting in the mail. I confirmed these things. So um, mm. so we will uh, we'll be able to say that they are indeed awesome. But go to missionalware.com, check out all their stuff, specifically the 500 Years of Reformation, and the conscience held captive to the word of God, which is their newest design and uh, and one that I hope they send me because I would actually wear it. It's pretty cool. And then follow them at Missional Wear on Instagram and Twitter. 
Pipe, that was a great promo. That was really good. One of your finest. I'm feeling good today. I felt felt good about that one. Big R, his work has just gotten better. You know, I mean, Piper is really like a – I'm trying to think of an athlete. like Kind of like the LeBron James of the promo game. I mean, to call him a wordsmith is just almost insulting him. It goes so beyond that. Yeah, it trivializes what he does. It does. It absolutely does. Boys, we only have a couple of minutes remaining because I'm actually off to vote – uh, my wife has informed me that that there is a thing called early voting in Tennessee, where uh, apparently you can go and, and interact with less of the general public than you would on actual election day. So I mean, that's really the goal of it is to interact less. That's the goal for me, man. That's absolutely the goal for me. So we are going to go and do that in a couple of minutes. But before we do, speaking of missional wear, uh, we promised to send out some uh, custom Happy Rant stickers courtesy of missional wear to a couple of people who sent in their favorite Jack chick tracks. Um, pipe being that you are a resident, uh, kind of Twitter guy and you, uh, you follow this activity. Can you talk about what we got and kind of what it looked like? Well, there was a very, there's a very limited number of responses because apparently people just weren't that geeked up about Jack chick, but the two best responses <laughs> were from Jacob Orr and Scott McLean. And so gentlemen, I know you're regular listeners cause you regularly interact with us on social, which is awesome. And we love it. Um, uh, I will send you a direct message to find out where we can send the stickers. But first, let's talk through these amazing uh, chick tracks that you sent in. Every time mm. I say chick track, I feel like I'm talking about a chick flick, except, mm, yeah. except these are decidedly not chick flickish. Dude, what if there was a chick flick starring Jack Chick? What would the premise be? Kind of a kind of an older artist, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. artisan. He's uh, he's a little bit secluded, kind of does his own thing, a little bit unconventional, rough around the edges. Uh, but he finds love later in life, man. I'm envisioning uh, – who do we see in that well, role, I, man? He, he probably finds love through somebody scaring him into salvation by describing the horrors of hell. Mm. So who – The question he, is who, what, what kind of middle-aged but, but yet still pretty uh, rom-com type actress would describe the horrors of hell for him? Mm. Like, like Diane Lane. Ooh. Mm. Okay. So like Diane Lane and and like yeah, that's good. I who like plays that. Chicky, man? Who who, who Yeah, who I'm thinking about Chicky? that. I'm, that's a good one. I'm thinking about that. Richard like Richard Gere. Richard he's, Gere like a long-haired he's Richard Gere. He's a little Gere. too smooth though, isn't he? He's a little too polished, man. Somebody yeah. a little uh, Well, like a Gary Busey. Or like what Mel Gibson? I mean, he's yes. have you seen him recently? Looking old. Well, yeah, Mel Gibson kids. given his place now. I mean, the the he's only thing left little, for him is to little crazy. Yeah, yeah, the only thing left for him is to play like a like do a quasi Christian film, right? That's his next step for sure. Dude, right? Yeah, didn't he do that though? Did he? No, you're thinking of Nicolas Cage. Oh, I'm thinking of The Passion of the Christ, which he was involved in, but he wasn't well, in. In well, he was still like Gibson, legit Gibson back in those directed days. The Passion okay. of the Christ. <laughs> yeah. So the the first one that uh, that we're looking at here, it's it's only two panels, um, so it's it's a short one, and it shows. A very creepy-looking man, um, kind of looks like John Cusack's creepy older brother, um, mm-hmm. doing something very flirtatious with a woman who I guess we're judging is not his uh, is not his wife. And on mm-hmm. one side, there's a demon who looks like it has warts all over it, uh, congratulating him. And then on the other side, there is a an angel with a camcorder filming them and and frowning uh his or her disapproval it's somewhat of an androgynous angel um so and then and then the second panel you see the same man with this woman uh being greeted by somebody who's asking where his wife is and the demon is 
cheering because he thinks this is hilarious and the angel is nowhere to be seen probably because he's taking the videotape back to God to be uh, to be evaluated since God mm. didn't know what was going on. Apparently. He has to make a copy of the tape, though, right. and he has to, he has right. to go to the grocery store and, like, rent the VCR. Yeah, and make at the least copy. two backups, guys. Yeah. When you make a tape to show God, you need at least, like, one to two backups <laughs> and he, for and sure. He, yeah, probably wants to – I mean, I'm sure that he was videotaping for a long time, so just needed to, to cut it down to the pertinent clips as opposed mm-hmm. to – got to do editing. Do you think God has time to watch that yeah. entire tape? He's not watching That's right. four four days of uh yeah right private dude what, private what are the angel this, angel so what are, what are we looking at here late 70s early 80s i want to know what the angel taped over to get this footage you know what i'm saying yeah uh, i want to know what kind of recorder the angel has right what's yeah. i mean it's it's not it's not the big it's it's camcorder size because it's a it's okay. a one hand in front of the eye thing but i mean so we're probably talking uh, mid we're talking early, mid-80s early, uh, yeah i'd say early 90s maybe what mm-hmm. You mean there was – I didn't even know they were doing chick tracks in the early 90s. Like like that would be like recent chick tracks almost, right? Yeah, well, that's almost like – yeah. Jack Chick was nothing if not prolific, so um, – Wait a minute. Was he doing chick tracks like up until like five or six – I mean were they – were they? did they continue to have a run through like the, the, the 2000s and everything? May, he, maybe he moved online. I mean he has a whole website which looked like it was designed in the mid-90s. Wow, and I had no idea. It's terrifying. Then the next one is like a whole comic book, uh, which starts with a a western and some guy getting shot, and then the wife, a wife of the guy watching the western, talks to him, and then there's car crashes involved, and then there's a dream sequence. All of it circling around people being terrified of going to hell, and then there's a preacher who looks. Um, very much like a television preacher trying to lead somebody to Christ. And then there's Jesus. Uh, and then there's more snapshots of, I mean, goodness sakes, this is just, this is something. I, I'm impressed simply with the volume of absurdity in this one. Mm. Dude, we've got to cast this Jack Chick movie. This thing has to get made. Yeah, yeah I agree. It's, it's uh, well, the the pastor in this one looks like he's got he's got TV preacher hair, but he's got sort of John Kerry's long horse face. It's mm. uh, he's yeah, he's a uh, he's something. That's a fascinating. Well, Key, you you become kind of a bit of a movie mogul. Why don't you use some of your connections, man, in the industry and get this thing, get this thing going, baby? I'm know? gonna make some telephone calls. I'm gonna place a few calls here in the office after we go off the air, and and I'm gonna see what kind of traction I can generate for a Jack Chick project. Um, Absolutely. Hollywood will be clamoring for this. Absolutely. This this is what we in the business call a slam dunk, Big R. Um, This is a home run, okay? The Jack Chick chick flick. The Jack Chick chick flick. It's a 90s rom-com set in the present day with Jack Chick as the hero. Um, Maybe a Meg Ryan. I don't know. I don't want to name names. I don't want to say that we have people attached that we don't actually have attached. Meg uh, Ryan with the guy from Growing Pains on it or something like that. How's Meg that Ryan, maybe we get the guy from Growing. I feel like Pains. it might need to be somebody a bit more severe than Meg Ryan. Like she's always happy. We need a we need a uh, somebody who because there's nothing happy about a Jack Chick themed mm. thing. It needs to be somewhat uh, sort of dark and somber. So who can pull off the dark somber kind of thing? Melissa Gilbert. Yeah. Oh, baby. Wow. Yeah, I know that. I know your first thought is like, wait, no. And then you think about it for a minute and you think, wait a minute. I'm, I'm thinking that I, I'm seeing Maybe. something like I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm yeah. seeing something. Yeah, I'm seeing the genius in what you just said. Um, this keep is that tucked away when you start your phone calls. Yeah, I will. Keep, I will. That'll be like a secret weapon for you. Just 
just un- unveil that when when the right moment strikes. Dude, you know? when it's time to negotiate, when it's time to play hardball. Secret hard weapon, man. Melissa Gilbert is a secret weapon. I love it. I love it. Uh, fellas, this has been uh, this has been a blast as always. I hope we covered everything. I feel like we I feel like we did. Um, it's time for me to run and vote and exercise my uh, my my civic duty. And by vote, you mean not voting, right? Is that right, Big T? I mean, what are you just going there just to hang out and watch Double K vote, or what? Yeah, what, I'm just what are you going doing? to hang out, you know, okay. just just to, just to be near the general public as they uh, as they maybe go. sign some autographs, maybe look for some possible uh, castings for our uh, Jack Chick movie, or you know, there's fans just for extras. Sometimes right. I just go out in public and I and I and I look for listeners of this podcast, you know, and and they recognize me. It's a nice moment. Um, it is a nice moment. We're going to let you have that moment. So let me have it. You know, you it's go gonna, have that moment, babe. fellas. We have uh, we have done what we often do on this program. We've wandered uh, to and far, to and fro uh, across these topics. Um, we will be watching a Jen Hatmaker a Tiny House documentary together on the air next time, which I look forward to. And until then, Rachel the Held Evans. Hello, I'm Adam Comer. And I'm Ryan Chittister. And we are the host of Life After Addiction Podcast. What we believe is that addiction is not a surprise to God. That's right. We discuss addiction from a biblical worldview and how true freedom comes through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Absolute freedom from addiction. The secular worldview of once an addict, always an addict is just not true. If you or someone you love struggles with addiction, subscribe to Life After Addiction at lifeaudio.com.